Welcome to A Higher Future in Healthcare, a special series exploring a growing crisis in healthcare, hiring quality talent to deliver quality care. I'm Ubaldo Siminetti, your host, and I sit down with some of the industry's top voices in hiring and recruiting to dissect one of healthcare's biggest obstacles in the hopes of learning from each other and sharing that information to help us improve how and who we hire so that we can take better care of the communities and the people we serve. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to A Higher Future in Healthcare. I want to welcome Candace Butler to the show. Candace, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing really well, doing really, really well. Thank you for taking the time to, uh, to do this with us. Uh, you know, we're really excited to have a conversation about hiring and healthcare, and, and particularly from your point of view. But I want to start out with, first of all, tell everybody who you are. <laughs> sure. And thank you for the opportunity to be on the podcast today. I'm also very excited as well. Hello, listeners. My name is Candace Butler. I am a division director for a staffing company. I've been in the healthcare space about 26 years. I am also a public author. I've done pretty much anything, any gamut. So IT medical coding, staffing, training, implementation. Also sat in the diversity chair. So I've done a lot lot of work around retention, onboarding processes, helping our clients with not only their their travel needs, but also on the direct hire needs as well. Very nice to be here. Wonderful. Yeah, you've done it all. (laughs) And well, so, so tell me a little bit about kind of your experience and, and what you've learned oh, throughout that experience, in ter- specifically as it relates to hiring and healthcare. Like, what are some of the big takeaways for you? There are large candidate pools for positions. Um, there are definitely large candidate pools. We have a lot of very educated, skilled, and qualified candidates, which is a great thing. But however, the bad thing is, are we really tapping into those areas, not only to get current needs, but future needs as well? And and so let's talk about the future for a second. What, based on that, what are you seeing as the future of hiring in healthcare? Being able to go into those demographical areas that normally don't think that they can be in those type of positions. So we do college recruiting, but what about high school recruitment programs? What about mentorship programs? Because people, I know as I was a child, people always ask what I wanted to be. And I never really could answer because there were so many different things that I didn't know that was out there. So my, what I wanted to be changed a few times because I didn't have the opportunity to see those things that could actually exist. You cannot really make an assessment of what you want to be if you don't know what you can be. Yeah, that's such an interesting point. And so you're really focused on um, bringing sort of the t- bringing bringing these disparate candidate pools, which uh, you're saying are generational. I mean, they're you know we should be going back even further. Yes. From what's present right now, yes. and so you're really working to educate 
what to your point, a, a very valid candidate pool, which are these younger generations. Um, because I feel like, and uh, tell me if I'm wrong here, but I, you know, are there paths into healthcare roles for people who don't necessarily go to college, right? But can get certified. Is, yes. are, are there many paths for these there younger are generations? There quite a few paths, yes. And even in those paths, that person can work in that position and work toward the next part of the path that they choose to. For example, a certified nurse aide, you could actually, you only have to be like 17 years old in some states to get a certified nursing assisted license or even a medical assisted license that can lead to an LVN role, which can lead to an RN role, nurse practitioner. So there's a lot of different pathways available for people just to even get started in healthcare. Wow, that's interesting. And so, so, so how does a hospital who, or a health system, uh, who, who has to hire right now, what, what are they, how do they need to shift sort of their mindset as it relates to hiring and, and candidate pools and everything we just talked about? How can they shift their mindset to start making an impact now, making those hires that they have to make now, but also planning for a better future, you know, building building a better system or a better process to ensure that they're always hiring when they need to? Great question. The first thing I would say is break the mode. Um, yeah. I know, and I've also worked in HR myself in different areas they have a certain pathway. We have to do, we have to do it this way, or we have to do it this way. Or why do you do, some of my questions are, why do you do this this way? Well, that's right. what we've always done. So what we've always done, in, especially in this society, will definitely keep us unemployed and missing all those great people that are out there. So first I says break the mold, look for creative ways strategic ways to, to bring in candidates. Um, school recruitment is one of those ways. Bringing in a staffing agency like myself is another creative way. Look at your retention practices at your hospital. Look at using the, the, your, your current candidate, your current employees to recruit other people, family, friends, those things. Getting out in the community, in different communities looking for people. A lot of times people are very qualified for the positions, but they can never get in the door. So making sure that your hiring practices are encompassing all ethnicities, um, whether black, white, Hispanic, LGBTQ, IJ, um, those different things. So really just stepping, breaking the mold and really stepping out of the box. Well, and, and you did a, a great talk at the AAPPR conference in Austin this mm -hmm. year about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm -hmm. uh, and you just mentioned a little bit about that. What, what, how important is DEI to the future of, of hiring and healthcare? If we do not not only have a conversation about DEI, but the actual actions and keep that continuously, if we do not, we are decreasing our candidate pool more and more. And so a part of the conversation, the presentation that I 
was grateful and humble to be able to talk about at the conference with physician recruitment is that we have to become advocates and allies in order to work for the bigger goal. The bigger goal is patient health care. We want to make sure that our patients have the staff to take care of them. And we also want to make sure that our staff feel empowered and supported. And we want our CEOs and CFOs not to be worried about staffing. They can worry about expansion and community and other projects. But right now, the most, the number one ticket is retention and staffing. So you have CEOs and CFOs, COOs, they're, they're having to focus on staffing where there's so much more that their time can be utilized to. Yeah, it's a great point. And, uh, you know, I often try to get at the root of, of an issue like that. You know, why, what, what is, what is preventing these leaders from doing the work that they should be doing? And, you know, I, th I think it comes down to the fact that we're human mm -hmm. and we all have biases. Mm -hmm. And if we don't address those, um, you know, we, we, can't, we can't move forward in the right way. And, and so you talk a little bit about authenticity and a willingness to change. What, what, what does that look like? to your point earlier, if, if, if a hospital system is truly going to take action, how do they go about doing that, starting with the root cause of the issue? Accountability. Okay. So accountability saying, because it's kind of like that, we know that there are issues, but we don't want to speak them, right? Right. So being able to speak, okay, there is an issue. That's the first part. The right. second part is, okay, how do we come up with solutions for this issue? A lot of times we get stuck in the problem and, we, and we're not, the injury should be more on the solution. And then there's a willingness to, to actually be a part of the solution. It takes both sides of the spectrum. In my presentation at AAPPR, I, co I presented with Cecilia Jerome, who is a physician recruiter. I, our conversation started with just trying to find her some staff. And then we started talking about, I felt comfortable to talk about some of my challenges as an African-American woman leader. She, she opened up about some of her challenges about being a white woman leader who's been in leadership for a long time. And what we realize is a lot, we have a lot of commonalities and we also both want changes in those areas where we became allies. We were both very open and transparent with each other in the things that we felt. And we took those things to come up with different so creative solutions to make sure that we had, everyone was considered not only brought to the table, but actually considered at the table and what is best for patient care. Well, and I think that's, that's exactly the point, you know, the, the patient care. You know, we always talk about quality of hire is a direct impact on the quality of care. And if we are not, as, as hospitals, as health systems, as caregivers, focused on providing the best care possible to our communities of patients, then what are we doing? <laughs> Why are we doing it? We're not. You know, 
we're not. And and I think the last couple of years, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we've seen um, a, a lack of quality of care because uh, of, of hiring or having to find temporary workers who don't align with our mission as an organization. And so they just pop in and out. Yes. And, you know, they don't, they don't necessarily, they're just there for kind of a paycheck. And I don't mean that to sound, you know, disparaging at all. Um, but what I'm trying to say is that it just, there's a lack of, of mission there. There's a lack of uh, alignment with the passion mm-hmm. of that particular community. And so, you know, I totally I, agree I, with you. I, I, yeah, yeah. And to that Go. point, um, so we bring in a local person or a temporary person because we have yeah. this urgent need. But we, I will tell you, in the last two years, we're seeing more people go to the ER versus going to a family practice because it's a different doctor every time they come in. And it's a doctor who does not look like us or understand our, our needs and our concerns and issues. Um, we always talk about in healthcare about saving money. Everybody is about saving money, saving cost. And one of the ways that we can do that and we can u- utilize DEI is making sure that we have qualified people that look like our community in those spaces so that I, as a African-American woman, will go to a doctor who looks like me or a doctor that understands my community, understands my issues versus yeah. me just going when I'm sick to your doctor, you know, because there's no exactly. care. So we're spending millions of dollars in emergency room care where that money could really be saved if we had people to look, at, look like us to make it comfortable for us to go see doctors. I was yeah. told growing up that only go see the doctor when you're sick. Right. Because they don't understand. They don't understand our concerns. And plus, we were taught as African-Americans that if we went to the doctor, we were considered weak. And we were already looked at as weak mm-hmm. due to society. So we definitely didn't go to the doctor. And that's why you see the high rates of diabetes and cancer and things yeah. because we didn't go get that preventative care because we didn't feel comfortable to go get that preventative care. And when we go to other places, there's definitely a difference. And I could just speak for myself. I have noticed sure. differences in when I go to different offices. Um, one of the reasons that my children do not have names that can make them easily identifiable is just for that, because I have also seen based on someone's name, the person has to wait like an hour or two to see the doctor. And you see people who came in later than you get get treated before you. Right, absolutely. Yeah, no, that, man, that's powerful because, um, I mean, ultimately this, it's very, it's emotional, right? As human mm-hmm. beings, th- these things are very emotional and, and uh, you know, there's a, I mean, let's not even forget about the the whole mental health aspect of this, That's, right? That was my next point, yes. <laughs> That's huge. Mm-hmm. So we suffer a lot, and not just only African-American, but Brown in general. I have several friends and colleagues, and we have conversations around mental health, PSTD, 
a lot of things that we suffer in silence because if we open up and say something, then we're considered weak. Um, another point that I also want to bring in, DNI, I will speak from my own experience. I was taught to be 10 times better, 10 times stronger, but 10 times more humbler. So most people that are in any type of role in corporate America, they can actually do way more because they're way more qualified because we're taught to be there to even get through the door. Harvard Business Review did a very interesting article about a year ago discussing where they are now putting Black CEOs in corporations and noticing those corporation growth, um, their financial growth. And one of the comments in that article states that most time when you put people, um, Black people who are in corporate America in those C-suite positions, they've already been doing the work for 10 or 15 minutes or 15 years or more because they had to overly work to even get in the door, to even get into a lower level role. Mm -hmm. And it's very sad, but a very true statement, even for myself. Yeah, uh, it's, <laughs> oh man, we could talk on this for, for days. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, well, I guess as a final point, what, uh, what are the next steps for people to take? Next steps to take is there, there's a couple of things here. First, we're going to be accountable. Next, we're going to put an action plan and put people that are a part of people who have experienced the problems into those action plans. You need those opinions. You need those expertise. You also have to have people who have not experienced it and they're trying to understand it. So it's a coming together of the minds, right? And both parties have to be open because on the other side of that, there are some people they just don't know because they've not been exposed or been taught those different things. So it's the coming together of that. It's getting that buy-in, not just doing surveys, but also having qualitative and quantitative data, asking people, because a lot of times people are not going to answer surveys truthfully because they don't want to be singled out. I'll give you a brief example. I am the first person of color in my organization in a leadership role. There's surveys coming around asking certain questions. I did not feel comfortable answering because they would have been able to figure out that it's that person. It's hard to, it's not hard to play process of elimination when you don't have a pool to eliminate, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So we must look at qualitative and quantitative data, bringing people in that are a part of that. And everybody has to be on the mindset of continuous change. DEI is not just a one-stop fix-it, Band-Aid button, okay, it goes away in a year. No, it has to be continual and it has to be intentional. It has to be impactful and it takes hard work. Hard work is hard work, but the benefits of it, not only from financial, but for morale and for the nation in whole is very impactful. There are several studies that are showing bringing in people of diverse minds and cultures, especially in technology and healthcare, has impact and actually jump set a lot of technology, a lot of things that we have in today's society. 
coming up with an implementation plan, putting it into place, having stop points and checking to make sure things are going on and making it a continuous and a lifelong process. Will it go perfect all at first? No, it will not. But we have to get back up, learn from those failures and keep striving and going and making those changes. Well, and I can't think of a better way to end our conversation. Thank you, Candice, so much. This was so insightful. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. A Higher Future in Healthcare is a production of IIA Healthcare, a technology organization powered by the Interview IA interview platform designed to help healthcare organizations hire better. Learn more at www.iiahealthcare.com and in collaboration with AAPPR, the Association for Advancing Physician and Provider Recruitment, the leading authority on physician and provider recruitment and retention. Learn more at www.aappr.org.